Well, today we welcome all those watching online and those in the house. We're so glad that you're here. If you're ready to receive the word of the Lord, put your hands together. Let me hear you now one more time. Yeah, you guys sound excited and ready. Today is Palm Sunday. So what does that mean? Palm Sunday means that when Jesus is last week, the Sunday before his crucifixion, it says that he rode into Jerusalem, and when he rode in, that the crowds were gathered and they began to tear off the palm branches and they laid them down in the streets for him to walk on. They, they waved them and they cheered, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so they began to cry out to Jesus. And so it's called Palm Sunday for that reason. It also today is, is the beginning of the Holy Week or in modern times, we call it now the Passion Week. It's the week of the crucifixion. And for every follower, for every believer, it should be a somber week. As we remember what Jesus did for you and I. As we remember the price that he paid upon the cross for you and I. That our sins are forgiven, but they came at a price. And that our Savior gave himself up in our place. And so as Jesus is entering into this last week, you would think that as he is spending his last few days with his disciples that there's some really important things that he would want us to glean and some things he would want us to comprehend and understand. And so today I want us to lean in on this last week of Jesus' life and I want us to see some things that I believe he was speaking to us and leading by example that he really wanted us to comprehend and to understand. And so today we're going to pick it up. Jesus has already got to Jerusalem. He told his disciples, he said, hey, go over there. there you'll find a donkey tied up and you'll find a young colt. It's never been ridden. It's also tied up. Take it. And if, if the guy asks you to say, hey, my Savior needs it, he'll be ready to give it to you. I promise. Just go do it. They did as Jesus said. Now let's pick it up in Matthew 21, verses 6 through 10. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks upon them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread and the cloaks of the road and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him, those that followed and they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they screamed again, Hosanna in the highest of heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem in the whole city, they stirred up and they asked, who is this? I want to ask you this question today. Are you addicted to the applause? Are you addicted to the applause? When Jesus came riding in, he was receiving the applause of the crowd. The, the crowds were cheering. They were throwing their, their clothes out on the street. They were cutting down the branches. They were waving the branches. They were cheering out loud. See, in every person's heart, there's a need for affirmation. And usually around junior high and high school, this really begins to surface to the point where we look, where we, we struggle with peer pressure and we struggle with affirmation and being liked and being popular and you know, people really like me. And now it's moved on to social media. Do, do people follow me? Do people like what I post? Do, am I looked at as pretty? Am I looked at as popular? Am I looked at, do people like what I post? Am I, am I funny? And you know, I have something good to say. All these things that are coming out and that are in us because there's a need for affirmation. And Jesus knew this. He knew there was a need for affirmation. But if we are not careful, our affirmation, our need for affirmation 
will cause us to follow the wrong people. It's a trait that's inside of all of us. See, Jesus often went into the town and he had just the opposite effect of what we've seen on Palm Sunday. Think about it. In scripture, Jesus would go and he would be ministering and they would be so upset at him, they would run him out of town. Leave us, Jesus. Leave from here, Jesus. Go. We don't like what you're teaching. You say, just love God and, and love people, but wait, what about all these other 400 commands we made up, you know? You're kind of destroying our theology. You need to go. Jesus, leave us. You're healing people. Jesus, you can't do that on the Sabbath day. That breaks the rules of religion. Jesus, you can't talk to women and include them. And Jesus did. He spent time with women. He spent time with the children. He spent time with the broken, the crippled, the blind, the leopards, those on the outcast of the city, the rich, the common man, the fishermen. He spent time with all people and he broke down stereotype walls and challenged us to love people beyond what we think that we should. He challenged us to love God greater than what we should. He challenged us to see things through a different way. And so everywhere he went, they said, leave us. Remember when he cast the demon out of the, the legions, out of the man, and all the swine ran out. Remember, they went into the swine and they ran off the cliff and drowned. The city got mad. Jesus, leave us. All of our pigs are drowned. Get out of here. Leave us. Go, get in your boat and leave. Or Jesus left. He said, I can't, I can't do anything there. I choose not to because a prophet receives no honor in his hometown. So he didn't usually receive this kind of attention. There was a few times that he had big crowds, but as soon as the fish and bread dried up, the multitude left, and just usually about 60 to 100 people would be following him around. So for this kind of reception and praise, Jesus was not used to this, really. This wasn't the norm for him. And as soon as he comes into Jerusalem, now they have a parade I mean, think about it. This is you and I. If we return home, we've been gone for vacation, and all of a sudden, the police catches you outside and says, hey, listen, we prepared a parade in your honor to welcome you and your family back home. You're our guest of honor. And they take you through town, and people are lined up in the streets. They're, they got signs holding up signs, cheering you and your name. And people are, are waving palm branches at you. People are throwing their coats out there for you. I mean, all this is happening in your honor. What would you do? I know what you would do. The same thing I would probably do. Facebook Live right now. You ain't going to believe this. We go Facebook Live Come on, look at this crowd cheering my name. Listen, it's about time people give me some respect. It's about time I get what I'm looking for, you know, and all these things. We would, we would post about it. I'd be like, hey, Joe, take my picture. What? You know, <laughs> me and the crowd. And this is not the way that Jesus reacted. Matter of fact, Jesus did something totally different. Jesus ignored the crowd. This, this story is found in all four of the Gospels. and all three of them, Jesus has no response except for one response. And in one of the response, 
The Pharisees said, Jesus, tell your disciples, tell these people to quit cheering your name. And he looked at him and says, I'll tell you what, if they stop, even the rocks will cry out. <laughs> Besides that, we, we don't see anything else where Jesus was acknowledging the crowd. We don't see where Jesus was moved by the crowd. We don't see this. Jesus was focused in on the call at hand. So Jesus was, look, look at this. I want you to get this. Jesus was not moved by the applause of men. Jesus was not moved by the applause of men. It, it didn't shake him. It didn't make him go a different way. We got to realize that affirmation of people cannot confirm the call of God. You can cheer for me. That's great. I like it. But if you don't, it doesn't mean the affirmation that God has not called me. And we have too many people looking for everybody else to affirm them instead of looking to their Heavenly Father for their affirmation. Let me put it a different way. We got too many people thinking just because they got 10,000 followers on Instagram that all of a sudden they're called. And we got people who got 10 followers who are called and don't feel like they're anything because nobody else is following me. Listen, my affirmation, whether it's great or small, doesn't come from people. It comes from the Father. And Jesus was trying to show us something here. The crowd had rejected him almost every other time. Now they're going crazy. And Jesus stays cool, calm, and collected. Doesn't hardly even acknowledge it. He knows it's necessary, but he doesn't get worked up. He doesn't allow them to move him off of his call. Can I, can I say something to you? Listen to me, parents, and I include myself in this. We have raised a generation that is addicted to getting their affirmation from the applause of the crowd. I'm going to say that again because it includes myself. We have raised a generation, and if, we're not, if we want to be honest, a lot of us are right there, right behind them, that is addicted to getting their affirmation from the applause of the crowd. They're addicted to it. Social media has got us chasing celebrity. Social media has got us comparing ourselves to everybody else. Oh, my life would be great if I could just be like Joe. If I could just be like Sue. If I could just be like her. If I could just be like him. My life would be so much better. All of a sudden, we're comparing ourselves to everybody else. Who said your life wasn't great? Who said your life didn't have meaning? Uh, Facebook? Instagram? Because hey, I'm not as good as them. Listen, quit comparing yourself to everybody else's filter. Everybody, listen, never, you post a picture. I told my kids, get that picture off there. I was bent over tying my shoes. My, my gut's hanging over my belt. Wait till I stand up. Suck it in, chest out. All right, now take the picture. Hey, uh, am I flexing good enough yet? Okay, there you go, yeah. Why? Because I want to filter what's put out there, right, Lisa? Come on now. I want to filter what's put out there. And you do the same thing. Not only do you filter it, you buy filters for it. <laughs> and then you 
pose and you filter, and then you filter the filters to the point where if we got to recognize you in a lineup, we couldn't pick you out. I don't know who that is. I got to post this on my dating site. Well, they ain't going to be surprised when you show up because you don't look anything like that picture. Just saying. Come on now. Someone say, oh, he's preaching where I live. All right. What I'm saying is we're, we're addicted to affirmation from the wrong source. And we're raising, we're raising a generation who's addicted to the cheer of the crowd. And when you're addicted to the cheer of the crowd, you will follow the influence of the crowd. We got to raise up a generation. We need to raise a generation addicted to God's approval. Oh, you didn't say amen loud enough, so I'm going to say it again. We need to raise a generation addicted to God's approval. Above the crowd's approval, or does God approve of you? Are you follow? Are you lasered in on what God's called for you? Let me tell you to this. God's got a call on everybody's life in this room. God's got a destiny for your life, and he wants to call the greatness of God out of you, not the greatness of the crowd. And when your affirmation is addicted to the crowd, you'll miss your calling. But Jesus knew this. Jesus was laser locked in on where God was calling him to be. See, they were, they were saying this. He didn't let the crowd, Jesus didn't let the crowd take his focus off of the cross. The crowd was trying to actually, you don't realize this, but the crowd was trying to take him away from the cross and to get him to go a different way. The crowd had their agenda and God had his agenda. See, the crowd was cheering, Hosanna, and when we hear this word Hosanna, we look at the praise part, but when you really go back and translate the way Hosanna is being used in this circumstance, what they're really saying is, save us. And it wasn't a save us from our sin, it was save us from a political movement. Save us from the kingdom, the earthly kingdom. They, they wanted a Messiah who was going to bring a political overthrow to the government. And so when they're there cheering, Jesus save us. Jesus overthrow the government. Jesus put us back into the right place of leadership in the government. Change the political status of Jerusalem. That's what they were saying. And if Jesus had been swayed by the crowd, he could have said, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll go with the cheer of the crowd and I'll, I'll give them what they want. But the problem is this, we didn't have a political problem. They didn't have a political problem. They had a sin problem and that's what they needed. Are you hearing me today? Listen, America, we don't have a political problem. We have a sin problem that needs to be dealt with. When you quit getting our eyes on the political, let's get our eyes on the holy of God wants to do in our life. Let's deal with the sin in our life. Come on now. Let's deal with the sin in our own life because that's where the problem is at. So Jesus was not deterred by the crowd. He didn't allow the crowd to sway him to go their way. Instead, he was laser locked on his call. Listen, you got to say, God, if you affirm me, that's what I want more than anything else. The cheer of the crowd, that's great. It's going to come 
and it's going to go. See, the crowd, they will turn on you. But God, he will never leave you nor forsake you. The same crowd that's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, waving the palm branches, throwing out the cloaks. Five days later, this same crowd was saying, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. What? Five days ago, you're crying Hosanna, and now you're saying crucify, crucify, crucify. The crowd will flip on you. Do you hear me? Young people, hear me today. The crowd will turn on you. Don't live your life for the crowd. Live your life for an audience of one, and it's Jesus Christ. That's where he was saying, I'm locked in. I'm locked in on the call. I've got to get to the cross. All this other stuff is trying to deter me away. It's the cross. This world needs the cross. If I don't get there, this world is not going to see the Savior. This world is not going to be redeemed unless I get to the cross. He knew his call. How did he know his call? Because he had spent time alone. He would often, the Bible says, get alone and spend time to get a word from the Lord, to hear the voice of the Father. So when the crowd begins to cheer their agenda, I've already got a word. One word from you. Come on now. One word. I get that word. Okay, God. Faithful. Steadfast. True to my calling. Stand up for what's right. Proclaim the gospel. Win people. Love people. What's the word God's given you? Get that word. Get that word. Get that word. Stay true to what God's calling you. Don't let the crowd influence you. And then we see a few days later that Jesus told his disciples, said, listen, go ahead and go on into town. And he gave me an example. He said, this is where I want you to go. And you tell this man that my master has sent you and prepare a room that we're going to come. We're going to have Passover dinner there. So we see in scripture what we know as the Last Supper begins to take place. They did as Jesus said, and all the disciples and Jesus gathered around in the Last Supper. Now, this is the last meal. After this, Jesus goes to the garden where he's arrested, and then throughout the night, he suffers three, three makeshift trials, and he's, the next morning, he's beaten, tied up and beating, and sent off to Calvary to carry his cross. So this is the last meal. What was Jesus really trying to speak to us? What did he really want us to hear? Look at John 13, 12 and 17. I think it's really clear. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And he asked them, do you understand? Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will what? You will be blessed 
if you do them. Let's say that last line together. You will be blessed if you do them. How many want to be blessed today? Jesus told us, the last thing he told us before he left was this. He says, you want to be blessed, you do what I just modeled in front of you. I just showed you. And so what would have happened during this day is that all the disciples would have sat around the table. And usually if they had, if they had enough money, there would be servants working for them and they would do this. It's not the host many times would do it. But Jesus did it. And it says that he went around to each disciple. And the reason why they did this was because their feet stank. Open sandals or barefoot walking in the dust and the heat. When they got there, now the, the tables they used were much shorter than this. And so many times they were reclining back. And so you, you were really close to having someone's feet in your face while you're trying to eat. How many know that can kind of spoil your meal when someone got some, some stinky feet next to you, all right? So the tradition was they would take and they would wash the feet to help not only show uh, hospitality, but it helped everybody else have a good meal, okay? But it was usually seen as a servant's job. But Jesus came in and he washed all their feet. He would have had a basin of water. He'd have poured the water over their feet. He would have taken his towel, his, probably his own clothes, and he, he would have dried them all off and washed them and dried them. As he's going around the room, he's teaching them and talking to them. Let me ask you this question. Who was sitting around the table that Jesus washed his feet? The disciples, right? Right, all the disciples. Was Judas there? What did Judas do? He betrayed him. Just a few hours after this, he's going out to betray. He's selling Jesus off for the silver. What about Peter? Peter, you're going to deny me. No, I would never do it. Yes, Pete, you're going to do it before the night happens and the rooster crows. You're going to deny me three, not once, but three times, Peter. No, not I. Never, not I. Did Jesus wash Peter's feet? Yes. Not just Peter. Peter gets a, a raw deal sometimes because he's the one who denied him in front of everybody. But what were the rest of the disciples? They were not there. They're all deserting Jesus. So Jesus is being beat. He's going through all these trials and not one of his followers are there. If they were there, they were, they were out cursing his name, saying, I don't know who the guy is. But Jesus knew this was gonna happen, but he still took time to wash their feet. And he says, if you will do this, I will bless you. He was trying to teach you and I that when we get away from the crowd and we just do what Jesus did, you're going to be blessed when you just serve people. Quit seeking affirmation. Quit trying to have a calling just so you can look good on Facebook. Oh, I just spoke to somebody that need to hear that word today. Quit, quit trying to self-call yourself to the crowd and just serve people. Affirmation will follow. It'll come in waves and it'll go in waves. And one year you'll be the toast of the town and next week you'll be the talk of the town. <laughs> but your call doesn't change. I'm called to serve. And when I serve people, I'll be blessed. That's what he really wanted us to hear. Not just people who like me, not just people who 
follow me, not just people who are good to me, not just people, but even the people who will eventually abandon me. I'm called to wash their feet. That's a hard word, isn't it? But Jesus said, if you can do this, you will be blessed. See, the way he wants us to love, it's on a different level than what you and I can do on our own. But when you follow the Father and not follow the crowd, you can love this way. He doesn't expect you to go around washing people's feet now. They got shoes on, okay? We got stuff to wash our feet. Our feet don't stink. Well, a few of you maybe, but most of our people's feet don't stink. The wet way. But there's other things we can do to serve each other. There's other things we do. He wasn't just wanting us to wash feet. He just wanted us to serve each other. He didn't want you to go get a bucket of water and walk around washing people's feet. He wanted you to serve one another. That's what he was trying to show us. Serve each other. Serve each other. And when he got done, the Bible says that he then began to talk about the bread and the wine. And he says, I want you to know this. He took the bread and he broke it. So I want you to get your bread out. He says he broke the bread and he passed it around to them and he says, this bread, it represents my body. Now, you and I, we have a different understanding than what the disciples had at that moment. Disciples were, okay, Jesus, you know, they're trying to follow him here. They didn't realize what was going to happen over the next 24 hours. So now what we understood, what he was trying to say, and some of his last instructions to them, he was trying to tell them, this is my body. It's going to go through the cross. It's going to go through the, the whipping. It's going to be beaten for you. It's going to be nailed for you. So remember the bread represents my body. Remember what I've done for you. Remember what I've done to set you free. He broke it. He gave it to him and he blessed it. Let's bless the Father we remember today. We remember your body, which was beaten for us. We remember what you've done for us. We remember that you did things in our place, that you sacrificed yourself for our sins. You allowed your body to suffer much pain, all for me, all for us, God. And today we remember. Let us see. Then he took the cup and he says, likewise, take the cup. And he said, this cup, it represents my blood, which is a new covenant. A new covenant. A better covenant. A better way. Before this, remember that they had to sacrifice the blood of lambs to cover, make atonement for their sins. But now the better covenant, the Lamb of God, was gonna give his blood so that it would erase my sins. Not just make atonement for, but it would erase and cover my sins. And all who believe in the power of the cross would walk into a new relationship, a new covenant. He says, I want you to know this. I want you to understand it's a new covenant. It's a new covenant. God does not break his covenant. 
He does not break his covenant. And he says, this is a new covenant. On the day he comes in glory to reveal the fullness of his reign. this morning. We're so thankful that you're here. Now listen, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. We're going to celebrate the resurrection power, how God turns our graves into gardens. It's going to be a powerful service, powerful day. I want you to come excited. But on Friday, Friday morning, we are going to have a special Good Friday service online. And so I invite you, all those who can, we'll premiere that at 9 o'clock on Facebook and on our YouTube page at nine o'clock. And if you can join us at nine, do it if you can't. It'll be on there the rest of the day so you can take time, about 15 minutes, just to put your heart centered back on what that day really means as the day that Jesus was crucified. Let's take time on Good Friday to remember the cross, okay? God bless you.